this evening. Thank God we have a copy of the words of God. Ephesians is where we're going, chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. As I mentioned this morning on Wednesday, I preached a message on the new nation. And God, the Bible says there was a nation was born in a day. That was Israel. It's actually happened twice in their history. But most emphatically, when they came out of Egypt, we learned about those things. And again, I invite you, if you were not here on Wednesday, we had a good attendance on Wednesday. If you were not here on Wednesday, to uh, hear that message. It's on the YouTube. It's on the podcast, both. And then, of course, this morning we dealt with a new covenant written in blood, written in our hearts, and written forever. There's the three great promises in conjunction with the covenant of God towards us and the covenant of our living towards Him. And then tonight I want to talk to you about a new person. A new person. Which is what we become in Christ. And we are in Ephesians 4. Let's look please. Let's start in verse 17. It says, This I say therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you henceforth... Now you're going to run into that word a couple of times tonight. Meaning from this point forward. That you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over into lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard Him and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus." Excuse me, I turned one to me. That you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one of another. And so it talks about putting on a new man. And it talks about being made as a new person. That's what happens when somebody actually gets saved. You know, I refer to you again, something I've quoted to you before, that I heard Brother Jenkins say one time, and he had made professions of faith growing up three or four times. He's a pastor's son, and his dad's a faithful, faithful gospel preacher and uh, for many, many years. And uh, actually started churches down in Kentucky and some very rough areas back in really rough, really rough times. And uh, John made, uh, John made professions of faith and then went out and as he puts it, he lived a very shameful life for a long time. So, so much so he had to move out of the house. He had to be out and just in a lot of trouble. And then uh, God got a hold of him. And uh, he got saved. And he made this statement. He said, you know, it's a lot easier to live the Christian life if you are one. <laughs> and that's truth. We're talking about, talking about a new person and what goes on with that. Look back in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Give you these things with being a new person tonight. A new person involves a new start. 
2 Corinthians chapter 5. On September 14th of 1964 in Dayton, Ohio at the Miami Valley Hospital, I got my start on life. <laughs> That's where I was born. That's the date I was born. July 26th of 1980 in a little bitty building in Camden, Ohio, the Northside Chapel First Church of God is where I got my new start. That's where I was born again by the grace of God. And I thank God for it and uh, glad for that new start. 2 Corinthians 5, look in verse 14, and I'm going to expound some of this to you and give some of this to you as we go along, thinking about this thing of a new start. It says, For the love of Christ constraineth us. In other words, it, 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 it catches us and collects us in a way to compel us to do something. For the love of Christ constraineth us because we thus judge. Okay, here's a conclusion we've come to. We thus judge that if one, that's Christ, died for all, then we're all dead. If one could die for all, that means all were dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth, there's a word again, live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Because we were all dead and Christ died he entered into what we have to enter into, but then he rose again and made a way through and past that death. And so henceforth, we should not, look at the terminology that's used with it, that we should not live, live unto themselves. Meaning by that, that we are not to be so self-centered that we forget the one who died for us and rose again. Verse 16, Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh. I put out to the side in that so you understand that. We are not limited to the flesh as our means of understanding. Henceforth, know we no man after the flesh. In other words, we are not limited to just understanding things in a fleshly manner. Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh. Yea, Though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we Him no more. In other words, someone could have had a knowledge or did have a knowledge of Christ and who He was and you had the facts, but it changes once you get saved. There's more to it than just knowing it you know, because you knew who He was. Therefore, because of these things, verse 17, if any man, I told you this morning, I'm a whosoever preacher. I'm also an any man preacher. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, any man, that's a young man, it's a child, it's an old man, it's a successful man, it's a man who's only known seeming defeat in their life, it's an educated man, it's an uneducated man, doesn't matter. Religious man, not religious man, if any man, if any man be in Christ, not just religion, but he is in Christ. He is a new creature. <laughs> Get to start over. It's a wonderful thing. Old things are passed away. That's a term we use when someone dies, don't we? They said they passed away. But that's exactly that. They're dead. They're gone. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So well, I feel like the old things still have a grip on me. What has a grip on you is the haunting of the old things. The fact is they, they have no power of you anymore. 
And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to Himself. God made a means by which we could be brought back to Him by Jesus Christ. Now look what He did. And hath committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. So He reconciled us to Himself and now He's committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. That's ours. Those who are in Christ. To wit, here's uh, here's the way that happens. That God was in Christ reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us, look at the phrase, the word of reconciliation. So God was in Christ. Christ was God-man. He reconciled the world to Himself. Now He's given us the word of reconciliation as God dwells in us in the person of the Holy Spirit. We take His Word and we tell people about that reconciliation that's already been made. We do not provide the reconciliation. If you're not familiar with that word, the word reconciliation are two parties or two people that were at odds with each other being brought together. Being brought where they can have harmony and unity again. And He's given us the word of reconciliation. So what happens is, those of us who are in Christ, we have the Word of God, we have what a world needs in order to be reconciled to the Creator God. Now look what it goes further and says, verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors. Okay? Who do we represent? An ambassador represents. We are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead. Meaning by that, because He's not physically here. We pray you in Christ's stead, be you reconciled to God. So we are saying to you the message that comes from God, that God wants you to be reconciled to Him, and we're doing that because we have the word of reconciliation because we know we've been reconciled. For He hath made Him, Christ, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. And so Christ took our place. He became sin for us. He did not just take our sins by Himself. He became sin. And He has allowed us to be made the righteousness of God in Him. Here's God's righteousness. They could take something like we are and we were and make something clean out of us. We are a new person. You know... (laughs) Your conscience, your memory, people who sometimes maliciously, sometimes unthinkingly may bring things up, people who know things about your past. I get a little tickled at some of you all. I've had people here who come from my past when I was young. When my pastor was here, a few of you said, we're going to talk to him. Find out what you were like as a teenager. Well, what you found out is exactly what I told you. I was a half obnoxious. I'm being generous. A fuzzy-headed kid uh, who came into church, and and when I took off, I took off. I was all energy and power, and no direction. I mean, it was just wild. My uh, family's been here. Some of you have said that before. Uh, when my friend Mike that I grew up with was over, I had somebody make Cajun say that. Ah, we can find out some things now. And you know, you have people who may remember things about you. Um. I remember that uh, my pastor, when he got saved and 
especially when he first started preaching. He was well known in high school and such, but it wasn't for church and it wasn't for preaching. And uh, he he's pretty well known. And uh, people would say I'd be out sowing and stuff in a small town. You understand, Camden's a small town in that area. They'd say, I can't believe he's a preacher now. I knew him in high school. You would have never thought that. And people will bring things up. But here's the thing about it I want you to understand. Your, your memory will bring that up. Your conscience will bring that up. You know who will not bring that up to you if you're saved? God doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't. He, he just doesn't bring it up. There's no profit in it. There's nothing to it. That's gone. That's in the past. And we're supposed to henceforth, from this point forward, live for God. Why? Because we have a new start. Not because we said, oh, okay, I'm going to start new. Because we literally have a new start. We have new opportunities. And I thank God for it. It's a wonderful thing. And uh, uh, by the way, isn't it amazing? Uh, one day all this will be set right. But God gave us the capacity for memory. And I am thoroughly convinced for the, of this through the Scripture. He gave us the capacity to memory so we can honor and praise and glorify Him. Over and over again, we're told to remember the things of God. But what happened with the entering in of sin, that became corrupted like everything else, and so it's used as a weapon against us. It brings things up. Uh, perhaps you, like me, at times have had thoughts that you think, my goodness, that thought's out of place, or that, thing, that memory's out of place. Why in the world would that show up now at this place, here at this time? Why? Because we put stuff in and it stays, doesn't it? That's because we were designed to put good stuff in so it would stay for God. And there will come a day when that will all be set right. So we have a new start. If any man be in Christ, the young person gets saved. They're new in Christ. Someone who's towards the latter end of their life, they get saved. They're new in Christ. They literally have a new start in the eyes of God. And what God could do with them would be an amazing sort of thing. Then let me say, there's a new life to be lived. There's a new start and there's a new life to be lived. From henceforth means you're going to do something with it. From henceforth means you didn't stop. The final goal was not to be saved. The final goal was to be profitable for the Lord. Being saved is our benefit. Being saved does honor to His name. He sees the fruit of His soul. He sees the late travail of His soul. He's satisfied. That's a wonderful thing. But there's a new life to be lived. Look in Philippians chapter 2. This new life has three different things. It has power. It has potential. Then it has particulars. Let me talk to you about the power for just a minute. Philippians chapter 2. You ever heard it said of someone, that person was almost a force of nature? <laughs> Maybe there's someone in your remembrance or your life that that person, not necessarily because of a position they've had or something like that, but that person has almost seemed larger than life. They exuded a vibrancy. They, there was a life about them. And uh, that's, that's always good. I like that. Um, I'm not saying that everyone needs to become an extrovert or needs to have that type of presence about them. That would be both unrealistic and unkind to think that people had to be that way. But what I'm saying to you is there's a power of living. Um, it's funny how, how things, I don't know what's the right word for me to use here. I'm at a loss. My vocabulary won't pick it up. As I go further in the pastorate, there are certain things become more 
vivid and important to me for you. And part of it is the desire for you to understand what your potential is in Christ. Not one of these gimmicky, you can be whatever, you know, name it, claim it type mindset, but the reality of what your potential is. Um, Sometimes people sell themselves out to sin. They don't have to. They don't have to. They can have victory. It's been purchased at Calvary. And there's so much power available. Philippians 2. I could go on for a while about that, but let me get to the Bible to be stronger. Look in verse 13. For it is God that, or excuse me, which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good what, church? His good pleasure. I've told you before and, and backed it up with Scripture. Our purpose is to please God. Purpose of the existence of this church is to please God. The purpose of the existence of each of us is to please God with our life. And it's God which worketh in you. God which worketh in you. Both to will and to do of His good pleasure. The potential is there. Why? Because God works in us. Not in somebody else you know. Not in somebody who's in the ministry. In each of us. It's God that worketh in us. To what? Accomplish what His pleasure is with it. Look, at, look in Ephesians chapter 3. As this afternoon, I went over the message again to reset my mind to what I'd be preaching tonight. You know, you teach Sunday school, preach Sunday morning, then you'll preach Sunday night. You don't want it all to blend together. And so I was going over things. And again, I was amazed when I looked at these verses and what they mean. And my heart's desire tonight is someone or someone's, I hope, in this congregation, catch what I'm saying here. Catch what the potential is for you in the Lord. What God could do with you. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3, and look please, I chose verse, start in verse 14. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto Him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us, unto Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. There's a great word at the end of that verse. What is it? Amen. He said this is worthy of agreeing with. What is the potential? That we would know the love of Christ that passeth knowledge. That we would understand that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. God wants to work in your life. 
Not in the life of your neighbor only. Not in the life of another family member only. Not in the life of someone you think that God, for whatever reason you think this, would, would you know, be pleased to bless them. God wants to work in you. It's a new start. I'm talking about a new person. I'm talking about what you are and what you should be if indeed you are in Christ. Now, if you're only in the church, then this isn't yours. But if you're in Christ, this belongs to you. And then it has power. It has the potential. And then it has particulars to it. There's individual things, and God will help you with those. Second Peter chapter 1. These are particulars. Second Peter chapter 1. In other words, what I'm showing you from the Bible tonight says, God will guide you. As your pastor, I will instruct you from the Word of God. I can help you with counsel at times. Um, maybe sometimes it's just a matter of me asking you questions that cause you to think and search. But it is your God that needs to work in your life. And I want you to, I want you to walk with your God and know your God. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as His divine power hath given unto us... How many things, church? All things. Hath given unto us. It's an accomplished fact. All things that pertain, in other words, they're fitted for the use, that pertain unto life and godliness. Your day-by-day living and doing so in a manner that, 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 that encourages and, and is a blessing to the Lord. We're talking about your life, talking about your day-by-day, what you do, what you're involved with, how you live, what's going on. He hath given to you all things that pertain unto life. God, God has equipped you with what you need to live day by day in this world He's made. He will guide you if you'll seek Him. He'll instruct you if you want it. He'll help you. And He'll show you how to do it in a godly way, in a way that reflects God Himself, in a way that honors Him. He has given to you all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. That's a great calling. I, 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 I'm grateful to the Lord that He called me to preach. I believe there's a distinct calling to preach, especially for pastor. But I'm going to tell you something. That calling right there is for every child of God there is. A call to glory and virtue. That's a great calling. Hey, you know, how many of you like to be called to dinner when it's an airtime? Eh? That's awesome, isn't it? But how much more with this to be called to glory and to virtue? I love it. And he says, verse 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding, there's that term again, exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. 
And so and there's a new life to be lived. It's not a life of timidity. It's not a life of failure. It's a life of power and peace through the Holy Ghost of God living in our lives. Not power to dominate something. It's not the way godly power works. Not power of acquisition so that we can get whatever it is we want. The power to live a godly life day by day in our living. This is what God has for us. It's a new start. There's a new life to be lived. And then there's a new destination to be anticipated. Look at Revelation 21. There's a new destination to be anticipated. The first passage I'm going to read you. The past portion I'm going to read you ends with the solemn warning against those who have not come to Christ and what their destination is. But I am showing you the destination we have as believers. And uh, you're a new person if you're in Christ. <laughs> you ever hear somebody say they're going to turn over a new leaf? You ever hear that phrase? And I've told you before, the only problem with that is you're still attached to the same old tree, right? There's something much better the Lord has for us. We're actually made new people. And uh, it's going to be a strong statement. Some of your minds may resist it a little bit at first. Hear the statement. Perhaps put it down where you'll remember it. Check me scripturally and see if I'm right. The reason we... Don't live in the fullness is because we won't live in the fullness. And we give it away in our statements. I just can't and I just won't. And God help us to be yielded to the one who actually wants to help us and live through us and help us be what we ought to be. Revelation 21, look from verse 1. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God Himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Sorrow, tears of sorrow, tears of mourning, tears of regret. There's a lot of different types of tears. The salinity of each tear is always based in the sorrow of mankind. And thank God that day will come. When he said, I will wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. He said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega the beginning and the end, I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful, 
and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And then he comes to chapter 22 and refreshes again some understanding of the new destination. Verse 1, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse. No more curse. No more curse. Mm. Human words cannot frame what that means. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. and They shall see His face, and His name shall be in their foreheads. There shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. He said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true, and the Lord God of the holy prophets sent His angel to show unto His servants the things which must shortly be done. There's a new start when you're in Christ. There's a new life to be lived right now. From here to when you go to glory. There's a new life to be lived. You have the power for that life. There's a potential open for you in that life. And there are particular things God's given you for, to be able to do it. But you have to be looking for it. You don't just get saved and go into autopilot and hope things happen. That does not match anything in the Scripture. The Scripture talks about the diligence of walking with God. The decision of walking with God. To have a determined destination in your mind that I am going to follow God. Though none go with me, still I will follow. I'm going to follow after my God. I did a study this past week on the phrase follow after in the Bible. My, what a study that is. And we need to follow after Christ. Look to His pattern. Look to His promises. Look to His commandments. We have all that. Then thank God we have a destination to where we're going. Uh, <laughs> we can't even hardly comprehend it. Every place we've ever been either is messed up or will be messed up. Everything we've ever gotten new didn't stay new. Everything that's been the greatest deal ever, we found some flaw in it after we had it a while. The return lines are long after Christmas. So to even comprehend God who makes all things new, and that's a continual thing, it's always new. It's always new. It's always new. That's just... Uh, that is so wonderful. It is beyond our fleshly capacity to understand. But uh, that's God. He who is life has given us life. If you're saved tonight, you're, you're a new person in Christ. In fact, so much so, in another place in the Scripture, it says that you even have a new name. 
We have that song. I like it. There's a new name written down in glory and it's mine. Yes, it's mine. That's based on Scripture. There's a new name. I don't know what my new name will be. I have a new name. Why? Because it's an identity. Well, Nebuchadnezzar, you remember him in the Bible. And he took people captive out of the land of Israel and he took over different nations. One of the things he would do with people that he allowed to serve in the king's court and he trained them to serve in his, in his uh, palace, he gave them new names. You know that. You know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That wasn't their names. It's Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. We know that uh, Daniel, he gave the name Belteshazzar unto him. Why? Because he changed their names to match something about his gods. He was saying, you're my possession now. I'm in charge of you now. Our God gives us a new name. My mom and dad chose my name. Most of us in here didn't have a chance to choose our own name. <laughs> Sometimes people do and change them. Every now and then they do that and they should have just left them alone. But um, God has a name for you. Because you really are new. See, I don't feel new. Well, are you going to trust corrupted feelings or the Word of God? What are you going to trust? Your flawed perspective of things? Or what does the Word of God actually say? You're new in Christ. Hmm. Sister Phyllis, can I pick on you? Lunch today, just uh, different things. I saw Michael. Apparently his basement had flooded and something. He had to stay in the hotel. And, and the grandkids were out hunting for groundhogs on the side of the hill behind Frisch's. Something we do after lunch. We haven't caught one yet, but we keep looking. And all of a sudden this voice said, what are you all doing here? It was Michael. He stepped out. Anyway, we got back to the table and went back to in the restaurant. And the, the adults were all still in there talking. Us kids got back in there. And... Uh, I mentioned that, and Bethany started talking something. And, and I brought up, I said, Phyllis was somebody our, our bus workers dreaded. You were a mean rascal of a bus mama, weren't you? Yes, you were. They would tell me, oh my goodness, we're glad to have our kids come, but that lady. <laughs> she did. That girl back there terrorized our bus workers. She was rough. And I appreciate you giving me permission. We'll see if she serves me anything when I go back. First time you sat in church. That was a hard face. But God did something. All I'm telling you is, God can do something with any of you. See, I just don't believe that because most people don't doesn't mean that people can't. And so valuable is what is gained when a person actually gets what the Scriptures say. It just kind of keeps you going. Even though a lot of people won't. And a lot of people don't. But sometimes it catches. And that's so valuable to the Lord. That can be you. If you quit listening to the lies yourself and the devil tell you about you and start focusing instead on the one who has set you free, you might be amazed what God can do in your life.
Lord sent me to tell you tonight. Let me pray with you. Father, thank you for your words. Thank you for your people. Thank you for not only the new start, the day I got saved, but new start since then. And today was one. Thank you for it. May your people be a blessing to you. May they learn to follow you more closely, that they may more reflect you in this dark world. I ask in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand together. I'd be somebody tonight come say, I'm going to accept that. I'm not talking about you accepting the Lord as your Savior, although if you need to do that, we'd rejoice with you. But who tonight would just say, I'll accept that. I'll accept that. That's my title deed. That's what God's given me. A song invitation. Why don't you come tonight?